Hi everyone, this is Asiela Altaeva, and welcome to another episode of the FEMES Finance Podcast, where we explore the journeys of successful female leaders, founders, and investors from across the globe. We aim to champion women leaders from diverse sectors and industries in order to inspire you in your journey to financial freedom and career success. Thank you for listening to the FEMES Finance Podcast. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to the FEMES Finance Podcast. Today's guest speaker is Cloris Chen, who is the founder and CEO of Kajita Protocol, which is a Web3 based company that tokenizes traditional assets for on chain finance. Previously, Cloris Chen was a treasury director at Flash Express and vice president of global banking and corporate banking at HSBC in Bangkok, Thailand. Thank you, Asel. Thank you for having me, and I'm very glad to be here. We are very happy to have you. Before we start the episode, can you please share with us a little bit about your background and what are your values? My name is Clarus Chen, as you have just mentioned. So I started this company two years ago with my two co-founders. Before that, I worked in Bangkok for about two years in both HSBC and Flash Express. So Flash is unicorn startup doing, you know, last mile delivery stuff. And I actually joined them from HSBC. So I was their, you know, banker back then. And then we have really good relationships. So after I left HSBC, they hired me to manage the treasure business. So before I joined the entrepreneurial world, I have been in the banking sector for six years, mostly in Hong Kong. So actually I uh, was with HSBC Hong Kong for four years and Bank of China Hong Kong for another year. I come from finance background. I studied in Hong Kong for a master degree for economics. And actually, because I started this startup business, I pursued another master degree in University of Pennsylvania for master of computer science. So basically, for the past 10 years, it's, it's about working, learning, and doing entrepreneurship as you can see, I always learn new things. I always embrace new changes. I would, I would value the uh, embracing changes as a very important thing because that keeps you you know, up with what's happening and keeps you sharp and keeps getting you new skills all the time. That's basically a brief introduction of myself. I also wanted to ask about your decision to make a career shift because from your LinkedIn profile and from what I've just said, you were taking the leadership positions in one of the leading companies in the world. Why did you decide to make a shift? What kind of factor impacted your decision? Right. So I think my decision to start my own project was more impacted by my experience in Flash Express. You know, back in the bank, I was in the corporate banking, which basically we were dealing with large corporations. The experience required a skill set, for example, relationship management, financial technical skills, such as financial modeling and analysis, but they are less of entrepreneurial there are a lot of mentors in the bank that can help you. So you're under a lot of supervision. The room for error making is very small. And then I get to know Flash Express real well. And actually their CEO was such an inspiring figure. He was only 30 years old, so young, and he's managing regional unicorn with over a billion dollars of valuation. 
also raised hundreds of millions of dollars from reputable VCs. Like this kind of story is just like so legendary. So I, I had the chance to work, work closely with him and I see like his qualities as a tech founder being super result driven, like super motivated, like how to manage people, like all these kind of skills. I actually want to be this kind of person. So, you know, when you are working, like when you grow up, you start to find a model that you want to be like. So I didn't think I find that kind of inspirational model when I was in the bank. I mean, all of the bankers, they are super professional. They're super good. But I just like this entrepreneur environment more. So I joined Flash Express. I start to have feeling of how startups work. It is very efficient. But on the other hand, it's a lot of changes. But you need to adapt to the environment like really quickly. If the macro changes, you might need to change your strategy as well. It sometimes can be kind of chaotic because you see like everything is so new, like there are not many rules to follow, but I kind of like that challenges. That's why that experience gave me some sort of courage and inspiration to have my own company as well. So this opportunity presented during one of my travel in Europe and one of my co-worker back in HSBC connected me with another senior manager who used to be in HSBC UK. And this senior manager is the CEO of this company called Singularity Net. She connected me with the Singularity Net CEO, and then we started this new startup called Cogito. We have connections from the previous job and then built the experience. And one day the opportunity just presented itself, and then I just grabbed it. And then I decided, okay, I'm interested to build this project together with, with you. And then we, we just get started. And then start from at that time we only have a concept that was in 2021 when the market is just so bad and then we just started at the worst time but now we are we start to gain more traction now you know develop a little bit more so everything is it's just one thing connects to another so that's how i i get started and why i think you know startup is more of my type of thing yeah I would like to ask, like not many people actually have this example of having a great leader and having the opportunity to work close, you know, with a founder of a unicorn startup. What kind of recommendations can you give to us so we can find a similar role model who can inspire us to become great? For whatever job you are doing, do it well, because whatever it is right now, even though it may not be where you land in the long term, doing a good job uh, will benefit you somehow, uh, somewhere in the future. I never thought that I would be connected with my cinema manager in HSBC UK, but because of my experience in HSBC, when I think I did a good job, and then I have my reputation there, and then they are willing to work with me. I think this is very important that I want to share with young females. If you have a job right now, do a good job. This may not be your favorite job, then you keep looking for it, but still do a good one. And then when it comes to like, how do you look for the the good one connect with people as much as possible you don't know how kind people can be sometimes if you are able to connect with one person that you met on the conference you give them a follow-up call you be polite you tell them what exactly you want tell them how you feel they probably are willing to help you or at least give you some advices so that's what i have realized that so when i was in college when i was a fresh grad I didn't know that I could have leveraged so much resources that people are so willing to help out. So I would encourage young female to don't be afraid to reach out to people. 
don't be afraid to ask for advice and help. Yes, there might be times when people turn you down, but don't just look at the, you know, the rejections. I think throughout this sort of practice and also by building your own connection and your network through working, you should be able to gradually realize what kind of thing that you like, what you want to do, what role model that you you want to become. I think that is like a journey. It might take you a few years until you get there. So I would say don't waste a few years, just keep looking for it. Yeah, that's such a great advice. And it's also related to my next question. I would like to ask, why do so many people sometimes are very, you know, scared to start their own business? And how can we help more people to feel confident about starting an entrepreneurship? Yeah, so first of all, I would say it's very understandable why most people are afraid to start their own businesses because the risk is just too high. Like, for example, I'm running my Web3 company, right? If there is a much higher chance that this company may not do as well, so I might lose my job in next two years, let's say. But such a risk is much lower if I am still with HSBC. I'm not saying that I won't lose my job forever if I'm with large corporates because large corporates still lay off people. But I'm just saying, relatively speaking, the risk is so much different. Startups genuinely have higher risk and if someone is having financial needs, like if they need to feed the family, you need to bring food to the table, if they need the money to live a normal life, they cannot take the risk. So it's very understandable. It's not like something that we should judge people for. Like if people don't start their own business, they stay, they choose to stay in a corporate. It's a very normal decision to make. We should respect that. So second, you are asking like, how do we encourage people to overcome the fear and then try more? I want to say, as I mentioned, like different people have different needs, right? Startups may not be meant for everybody. Like, yeah, it sounds cool. Wow, you have a company, you're running your own startup. You are the CEO, you're the founder, titles are so fancy. But deep down, you are not living on the title. You are living your own life. So startups are not meant for everybody. If our young female audience here have the consideration of starting their own business just because it might make them look better, I would I would advise them to think twice because you'll be facing a lot, a lot of challenges and difficulties and probably you might be in financial instability, which is a lot to take. But if you are passionate Right, you want to try something out. You want to see how it how it goes to build your own business. I would say failure is not that terrible at all. It's not one you're so young. Let's say you tried out for three years, five years. You are still so young. You can start over at any time. Second, even if you fail, these years won't be wasted because you will gain so much. You will grow up so much. All this you know, tangible and intangible things that you get from this experience should encourage them to be more courageous. So this applies to girls who are willing to take the risk, who are genuinely passionate. And I would say just go for it. Don't be fearful about failure. What kind of practices or hobbies help you to go through this stress? And do you have like some practices that makes you to believe in yourself and to keep going despite the failures or despite some bumpy road on your journey? For me, the best way to handle stress is basically one, talk it out. I find someone to talk about my stress. I basically do a lot of like self-analysis. 
For example, when I feel extremely stressful, I will be like, okay, what are the sources of my stress? Can this problem be solved? Right. It's if they come from like one, two, three, four, five, and then uh, probably the top three, even though they are very stressful, but there are solutions to that. And then after knowing that, okay, I have a solution to that, then I start to get more easy on it. And there are other things that was like, okay, this two may not have solutions to it. Maybe I just need to be patient. And then, you know, to not only look at the challenges, look at the bright things that I have, look at like what I have, what this company might achieve, what I have gained. Basically, don't overlook at the negativities, look more on the from the positive side. Yeah, you might think, oh, everybody says that. How do you actually do that? How do you actually implement that? Actually, it requires a lot of willpower to actually do it because when you feel in the stress, it's very easy to just get trapped in your own emotions. You're like, oh, I'm so stressed. I don't want to do anything. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. At that moment, if you feel you're in that moment, pause a little bit, figure out your source of stress, and then tell yourself to be patient a little bit. And actually, even like often a good sleep will help you to relieve a little bit. And the next morning, you will feel more energized to start over. So you need to have a very strong self-awareness of, of your well-being. Maybe I would encourage all our audience, if you have those moments, just ask your questions, like, how do I feel today? And then continue this self-analysis process. I do a lot of that, and that works extremely well on me. In your experience of leading teams in both traditional finance and Webster-based company, what key strategies have you found most effective in optimizing team operations and creating a collaborative environment so everyone works together to achieve a common goal? The short answer is let the right people do the right thing. This sounds like so easy, but when I was in the bank, I constantly got frustrated because Okay, I expect this person to do this and that, but they just don't do it. They just don't do it well. They don't perform it well. Sometimes I have these kind of questions. On the other hand, you see the super, super capable leaders, like even coworkers, they are just doing a great job there. They are self-driven, et cetera. Then I went to Flash Express. That's when I actually started to hire and build my own team. And then I interviewed many different people. Different people have different personalities again. But also for one particular job or for one particular company, there are so many roles that require different skill sets. For example, if, if you are doing marketing related stuff, you want someone that is super vocal, that is very you know energetic, extrovert, who are willing to organize a lot of events, talk with people, connect with people. But if you are doing like accounting and finance related job, you want that person to be very detail oriented, like very meticulous. If you find a meticulous person to do like the business development or marketing stuff, they might drive you crazy. And then this, this kind of effect is further exaggerated in Cogito because now we are hiring people from, you know, global base, like everybody is coming from different place. So having different people knowing what they're good at, knowing what their weaknesses are and find the job that they do the best. It comes down still to the first sentence that I mentioned, let the right people do the right thing. So I have some questions that I want to ask from you. Do you have this question that you ask on the interview to find the perfect candidate or to learn more about the candidate's personality that will match to your company or will help to achieve a goal? First of all, of course, I will ask them about the industry, about my company to see whether they have done some basic homework in understanding the job that they are applying for, right? 
you might think, oh yeah, that should be common sense. Everybody should know that. No, not everybody does that. Many people that I've interviewed, they don't even know what this company is doing. They don't even know what this role is meant for. That can filter out a lot of people, as you can imagine. You know, interviews are two ways, right? It's, we are interviewing them. They are also interviewing us. This is something side topic that I want to share with young females. I remember when I was much younger, when I was so eagerly looking for jobs, I was preparing for every single interview so well. And then if I don't do well, I like I beat myself apart. Now thinking back, it's absolutely not necessary because job hunting is you interviewing the company. Yes, the company interviewing you and also you interviewing the company as well. So this is something I want to give, you know, young females more confident when if you are going through like job seeking or anything, just consider that you, you try your best. If you don't get it, just go on, move on to the next one. Okay, go back to the question that you're you're asking me. What are the questions I ask? So the first one is I will ask them how much they know about the company, how much they know about the industry. Second, I will ask them about their past experiences, like how they did. Because as I mentioned, I actually value people who do well at every single job, regardless of what job it is. If you are delivering packages, be the best delivery person. If you are waitering table, be the best one that uh, serves the client. So basically, I have this philosophy, like it really does not matter what job you do. What matters is you need to do it well. That actually translates to many things. So that's the second thing I, I care, right? Like how well they do in their previous jobs. If our audience here are females who have no past working experience, of course, we will look how well they do in their schools. That's not necessarily translate to how, how high is their GPA. It does not translate to that. Also, it can be like how well they are participating in the extracurriculum activities and how well they are basically living their life there. So that's the second thing I look at. Third is, of course, to look at their learning skills, like their attitude, et cetera. Different jobs have different requirements. For the past two jobs that I have interviewed people, but they are both startups. So for startups, motivations are very, very, very important. Nothing more is more important than the motivation. Like if, you, if you are here to just gain some salary, a wage, live on a wage, startups are not your type of job that you should consider. And also, why am I talking about learning ability? Because a lot of things are new. I am still learning. The Flash Express, the entire team, they are learning while growing. So a lot of new things come up, a lot of new challenges, a lot of changes. The candidate needs to have a very strong capability of learning so that whenever new things come out, they know how to learn about it. They don't need to know already how to do it. They need to learn how to do it. So basically, that's the three major components that I will look at during interviews. I wanted to ask, where can our listeners find job opportunities or internship opportunities at Cogito? Uh, should they search on LinkedIn or is there any special website where they can find the right opportunity and help Cogito to grow? So yeah, our website, Cogito.finance, you can just go there. There is a contact. So basically our email is team at Cogito.finance. And then if you have, you're interested in working with us, you can just send us an email, tell us what you can do. The reason that I say, tell us what you can do and what you want to do is because right now, even though we don't have active hiring, we don't have active job opening, we do need help from time to time. Just write to us, let us know. So this also works for more than Cogito. If you are interested in other companies, try the same method. 
Like, don't limit ourselves. Don't be afraid of being rejected. Okay, perfect. Thank you for answering that question. Maybe we should talk about Cogito. So can you please share with us what kind of problem Cogito is solving and what kind of products are you developing to help the world? Sure. So I briefly introduced Cogito in the beginning. Maybe I can deep dive a little bit for those who are interested. So Cogito uh, is a tokenized asset provider. We are basically offering three products. One is co-tokenized treasury bill. Basically, we took the U.S. short-term treasury bills, which is a common product in the market. Second is tokenized green copper bond. That is particularly intended for investors who have a sustainability mandate. And, and, and so you can imagine, actually, that's a very important topic. This actually is something we are very different from others. I don't think many people or many projects are offering this product. And third one is a tokenized equity fund, which is managed by AI. This is because we are incubated by ThinkInnerGenet and also Ben Gerso is our co-founder and director of the company. So we are building AI tools to manage financial portfolios. So I would say we are an AI meets RWA kind of company. I'm not sure how much our audience know about decentralized finance. So it's basically like a financial products built on blockchain. There have been a lot of challenges with this offering, for example, like lack of regulations, like high risk product offering, et cetera, et cetera. So we are basically offering an alternative product in a compliant way. I'm actually very happy that we are doing this because I don't really like the extremely high risk factor in decentralized finance. I feel it's very irresponsible. So Luna collapsed, right? And FTS, the, the scam, rather the, the fraud. I actually criticized Luna for being like, how is that possible? Because I come from finance background. How can you offer 18% yield to investors without thinking about the sustainability there? But crypto people don't think about that. That was the time when I was like, I highly doubted the offerings in the market. I don't like all these factors there. So I'm really happy that we are actually changing or we are bringing things in a more compliant way, which basically means we are impacting this industry in a more positive way. We are still very small, so we are not influential enough to say, okay, because we are doing the right thing, we're impacting others to do the right thing already. But I think that is what we are aiming for. That's that's what we do, Cogito. My next question is about the product that you're developing. So recently I was reading the post on LinkedIn that talked about some of the biggest companies that we know today and how they started. Like they're talking about Amazon that started as an online bookstore. And then there is Sony that started with a rice cooker, Nike with truck shoes. But now it's a multi-billion dollar companies that produce so many great products that we use every single day. So my question is about the project that you've started. Did you have any instance in your in entrepreneurship journey where you started one product, but then decided to stop its development? Yeah, sure. So first of all, Pivot is basically a tagline for startups, right? I have not really seen many startups that succeed without multiple pivots, even Google, right? You know that. So we did the same thing. At the beginning, we started the stablecoin project. I still really love this stablecoin idea because that is that carries the the remit of the world. Because right now, you know, the entire world still 
kind of relies on US dollar for settlement, but think about like the less developed countries, right? Let's name Africans, right? Their local currencies are not very stable as compared to US dollar. And like they still need to use a lot of US dollar if they want, but sending US dollars through the banks, through, through financial institutions is so hard. So we have this idea of doing a decentralized stable coin project so that, you know, the people from those countries, they can use a stable coin in a frictionless way. I have this big dream of doing that. That's where we started. But when it comes down to implementation, right, it's so hard. The very first problem that we have countering, as mentioned, is just regulations and compliance. How can we bypass all the regulations by building this stable coin? It's just so difficult. Having a great idea may not necessarily mean the idea can come true because there might be reasons that those ideas have not happened yet. Because if you remember, Facebook also tried their digital dollar, right? Libra, and then didn't make it. So we started with the stablecoin idea, also didn't make it. And then we pivoted to do this tokenization thing, which also I think is very meaningful because it bridges the gap between the traditional finance and then the on-chain finance. We can offer products to traditional investors as well. This also helps with uh, serve the underserved people who don't usually have great access to the capital market, but being on-chain actually gives them a better access. So... That's what we, we changed. That's how we pivoted. We actually pivoted only a couple months ago. So yeah, startups pivot all the time. So we are no exception. Maybe the last question. Uh, how has becoming mother changed your approach to work and life? Oh my God. Are you saving the best question to the last? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so disclaimer, babies are cute, but it's really hard. It's very challenging. At that time, I was I was fundraising. So for startup, fundraising is a very time-consuming thing to do, and it's very stressful as well. I was eight months pregnant. I was raising funds for the company, and I was finishing my master's program in University of Pennsylvania. I still remember I was taking my final exam, being eight months pregnant. The baby was kicking in my belly. I was like, I was having contractions and stuff, and I was writing on my final exam paper. So I was like, oh my God, Cloris did a great job. I cannot imagine that you did so much. And then the baby came out. That's actually where life starts getting even more difficult because I cannot get sleep at all. Sometimes at night, probably like two hours, three hours sleep every night. That's about it. That's how much sleep I can get. So being a mother means a lot of my attention, my time has to go to the baby. And then I don't get enough sleep. On the other hand, Cogito still needs to go, right? It needs to be running. So how I do it, I cannot say I did the perfect job of, of, of balancing life and work. Both sides are compromised slightly. Like I'm not spending the best time with my child. And also I'm not being at my optimal position with the company right now. But great thing is I have a very, very good team. When I was away, like the team was able to autopilot for three months when I was during the maternity leave. So they keep the company running. And I was able to just hop on from time to time to give some guidance, to give some high level, you know, supervision. And then if they need certain help from me, they come to me. But most of the time they can take it, they can handle it by themselves. That really saved my life. So if you're asking me, how does becoming a mother change my life? Because my child right now is still so small. He's only four months old. I'm still at the most difficult, most critical and difficult time. 
I am still compromising a little bit on both sides and I'm relying a lot on my team to, to help out. So this echoes back to your very early question, like how do you operate a team to make sure that they operate optimally, hire the right people, they can save your life. Yeah, that's what I want to say, what I want to share of becoming a mother and how that impact my life and my work. Oh my God, that's that's a lot of things to do. <laughs> I was hoping to get some, you know, kind of motivation. Maybe the last words or quote that you want to share with young women listening to our episode today. Yeah, so, so first of all, I want to thank you for doing this, not just with me, but with the other females as well. This is super, super meaningful. I know I wish I had the chance to have access to all these contents and stuff. So it's very meaningful. So I really appreciate that. And then... What I want to share with our female audience is what I want to tell myself 10 years ago. I would say, even though you might encounter a lot of challenges, you might encounter a lot of difficulties, you might become a mother, having a child, running a company at the same time, being eight months pregnant and doing final exams. All of these things, they are difficult when you are in it. But once you are over it, they are just your experience. You can just, you know, sit there and, and sip over coffee and think about like, wow, you have done, you have accomplished so much. So when you are in it, when you are feeling very stressed, don't give up yet. Hang on there a little bit more and it will actually get better. And believe it or not, simply be patient and hang on there. Things will just get better. You don't even need to overthink. You don't need to overdo anything. Just hang in there. Try your best. Yeah. Thank you so much, Cloris, for your time and for giving us advice. We wish you all the best in your business. And as I said before, we, we are very excited for the second or third episode we'll be recording in the near future when I <laughs> when Kajita goes to IPO and raises billions of dollars and helps millions of people. Thank you so much for your time, Cloris. It was amazing to see you today and to have a podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Femas Finance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, such as Spotify and iTunes. Thank you for always supporting us. Enjoy your day.